Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Airport Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over 137 minutes of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures movie, Airport. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv, and today in the cockpit we are joined by George Hendricks, the host of the Mogwi Minute and the Way to Dune podcasts. Hi, how's it going, guys? Thanks for being uh, back with us as as regular listeners to the show or occasional listeners or uh, any of George's fam- family and friends may know. Earlier this week, uh, George, who had never seen the movie, was forced to watch uh, one minute of the greatest disaster movie ever made. And in the intervening 48 hours, he's sat down and actually watched the other uh, 136 minutes. And George, you're coming right off of the uh, the screening room. Yeah, I just watched it today. That's That's quite a commitment. <laughs> well, you know, New Year's Day off observed, so I had yeah. nothing else to do. There you go. <laughs> wow. Well, what what better way to start a year than with a good solid disaster in a snowstorm in January? I um, honestly can't think of a better thing, really. You no, know? no, it's 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 there. And you know, <laughs> Poseidon Adventure is more of a New Year's Eve thing, so this is a exactly a, exactly a, the timing is much better for this. For yeah, New yeah, Year's agreed. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a one word summary of Airport since you've seen it? Um, long, 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 but. Honestly, I feel like it was uh, comical. Okay. Uh, do you think that your uh, attitude has been influenced by watching uh, the Zucker Brothers airplane movie? In, in... I, I think part of it was seeing the parallels between the two, but I think part of it was that almost cute 1970s look at what, what something you know really disastrous is. But since we've come through the present day with Michael Bay movies and 9-11, it's more like, oh, that's okay that's not that bad yeah, Whereas, yeah there's, there's, so the stakes are not nearly as high as they could be as we've gotten used to and are more attuned to violence and and terror yeah there's a, a complete lack of smoke in this movie i mean I, I don't mean cigarette smoke i mean you know when things blow up they just have a tendency of not yeah. generating maybe some flames or things we don't even see flames no smoke in this. no mist yeah yeah exactly there's a full-on explosion and you don't see any flames so yeah. it's <laughs> <laughs> There's no slow motion. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I, I think the the air tank exploding in Jaws had more of a, a concussive quality to it. Exactly. Um, wow. Now the missing pieces. Since you had, you had seen all those characters, when you came up to your particular minute, did it all feel like like it gelled at that point? It was funny because even having watched that minute many times, getting ready to do this show the other day. When it came up, I'm like, oh, oh, I know this part. Oh, it just it completely <laughs> snuck up on me. And like, next thing you know, they're yelling about eyeglasses. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Like, you... Okay, I see the blankets. It all kind of fit bit by bit. But then all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked into place that that was my minute. In seeing all those people in the midst of the thing, when you get back to the introductory stuff, it was more of a, uh, did you feel like an old homecoming kind of a thing? that you? Oh, I know that guy. I've seen him before. And he's later exactly. in the Exactly. Yeah. The, the second officer threatened to slap you know, Rathbone in the face. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I know that guy now. Yes. And you did get to see Father Lonigan uh, issue his uh, sharp I rebuttal. Did. His, yeah. Yes, his uh, genuflection of, of wrath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got to meet more of uh, poor Mr. Uh, Marcus Rathbone, who... Uh, I think he really he really steps on a lot of people's toes the first time around. But well, I, his introduction is shoving a child. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> with a bomb. Yeah, it's like shoving a child into a suitcase full of dynamite. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a he's a, he's a bit of a, a grain of salt with the whole thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he does complain his his two whole dollars that he spent on that bus trip. Yeah. Uh, and those those nuts are stale. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I, Mark and I are going to be traveling to a CES uh, this week, and I I already anticipate uh, the Rathbone experience coming up because little <laughs> little did Marcus know that that is going to be the future of air travel. I mean, it's, it's I, I can't imagine him trying to deal with you know with forty dollars for a checked bag for TSA today. Can <laughs> oh, you imagine? exactly take yeah. your shoes off, sir? What? It blew my mind that there was no overhead luggage compartments. They all were filled with bat and like blankets and blankets. air things. It, it's like, like, wait, they don't bring their what? It completely caught me <laughs> off guard. It's the, yeah. the niceties of air travel in the seventies, I guess. And every, every, maybe every fifth or sixth person had something to read. The rest are just kind of staring forward. As is that what you did for a uh, you know ten, twelve hour flight going to Rome? It's like I think I'll just stare at the ceiling and watch people walk by. 
it yeah no no iPads no kind of n- no any widgets to entertain it was very not to mention the presentation on that giant shrimp cocktail in oh, first class there near the beginning didn't you want that it was uh, <laughs> ideal and, I was like uh, that that is some artful uh that's some food food prep right there that's for sure yeah yeah and the, and the the small lounge that they have at the front end of uh of the first class was just impressive and uh. I don't know if they moved anybody up, but if I if I were being told in coach that I needed to move forward to, for the safety of the aircraft, I would move into the lounge at at that seat. What would now be row like I, one? Yeah, I can, yeah, I can sit here, right? Because we're yeah, the, the plane's about to go down. I can sit here. Yeah, that makes sense. But what 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 blew me is the fact that they didn't take the injured person from the back of the plane to the front of the plane. So. I'm not sure why they didn't do that, but it seemed like if they had the one person who was probably going to get injured, let's leave her in the back of the plane where the tail could snap off. That's, yeah. uh, I, I guess they were worried about her tail snapping off, too. So I, just, yeah. I guess so. I guess so. But she just had an eye injury, apparently, and a yeah. broken arm. Yeah, yeah. Easily, easily. And she didn't even find out about the pregnancy, or the doctor didn't find out about the pregnancy until much later. So, uh, yeah, he had no reason not to just start dragging them all forward, but... I guess I guess the army guys were too busy stuffing blankets into a 300 mile an hour. There was hole. a lot of military guys on there. They were being very helpful, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably could have they probably could have rigged something to carry her from the front of the plane to, yeah, to the front. Yeah, with all those blankets, I think a couple of poles and you got a stretcher there. You, you know, but uh, dreadful. And you did get to see. I mean, at least later on in the movie when you saw them deplaning people, uh, you did get to see the ultimate. You know, Doctor Compagno really gets one of the last minutes of the movie, and the defrock nun. She also. Uh, oh, yeah, she does. the scene there while they're walking everybody out. P- playing more. Oh, the other thing that I, I did enjoy, we, we talked about this in an earlier minute, but Dr. Campagno really, he was well-equipped for that movie. He, uh, or for, for that particular flight, he had a bag of things that would knock you out, and you'll never have... Uh... They call him Dr. Happy. Yeah. I know. That one time he was just like, just take a couple of these, you'll be fine. Oh, thank yeah. you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Like, you, oh, that Doctor was a very lax prescription meds. Sure. <laughs> yeah. To Doctor Feelgood up there. Sure, sure, I'm a doctor. Yeah, okay. Here, here's a zip. How about bag Helen Hayes those. snuggling with that nun? <laughs> tell you what, Ada Consett is my hero. She oh. was a huckster from the beginning, and I was just uh, every time she was on screen, I was like, oh, "You are awesome. I wish you were my grandmother." We, we operate from the idea that everything she tells is a lie. She none, like she doesn't even have a daughter in New York. She's probably working a fence job with uh, Lloyd Nolan down in the customs office. That guy that was, you know, he could find diamonds on a poodle. Um, oh yeah, I don't. I don't even think he was. Uh, she was. Her name is Ada Quonset. Had to, that sounds like a made up name anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's she was looking out the window at the uh, at the hangers and she's like Quonset. Oh yeah, yeah. My name's Ada Quonset. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, she could have easily been. Uh, my name is Joey Couch. Or uh, Darlene Prefab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she did have to give up that mink, which was a, a sad moment. It was sad. I, I was very impressed by the um by the customs guy. He was. He was on point. He oh. should, he was wasting his time as a customs official. He should have been an international in, investigator they, or they something. Sh- yeah, they should have. I mean, they should have built the TSA early for him. Just you know, just mm. for him because to showcase his skills. That's for sure. He could have spotted people, but yeah, that that whole idea of not being able to stop anybody getting on the plane. It's like really, or or the idea that nobody in this entire movie nobody's called the fbi nobody's called at nobody's called the uh, alcohol tobacco and fire firearms it's just all we'll just handle it internally and not not let anybody know that there's a yeah bomb let's get the bomb scare on the plane just between us yeah right well they didn't want to get anyone in trouble yeah when did you call the ntsb well the next day of course when you know when they could send like, out oh. some guy with a hat just like leave a message. Oh, with the secretary. By the way, uh, we had a bomb threat. No plane. You know, they blew up the bathroom. Plane almost crashed. But you know, we're fine now. Thanks. I, I know it's the weekend, so FYI, <laughs> get back with us on Monday. Right. Right. <laughs> we'll save the hole for you. Uh, but this uh, this particular minute that we're looking at is uh, a continuation from yesterday, where Dino is uh, calming the troops and uh, making everybody happy back there with their uh, mustard snuggies. Uh, uh, and uh, of course, the uh, the ATC folks getting into it with that beautiful love boat egg in the middle of the screen. Just a uh, you gotta love 1970 uh, composite image photography because that just sets the I, whole tone. I love the scene trans the, the transitions they did with some of the wipes and then how they would. Uh, oh, there was one where they were they, they just they jumped the perspective of the camera so much that it it was leapfrogging through the movie, but it just it was. 
something you wouldn't see today. It was very, it was the closest I could think of like something Soderbergh might do was one of his screen transitions. It was really, yeah, it just it, it 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 would be like almost ironic today if you saw something like this. It's the scene where they were contacting surreptitiously all the police in the uh-huh. you know, <laughs> with, with you, the triangles cut out of the head. Yeah, you, you get like a kaleidoscope <laughs> of police, and it just, looks like something like we do when the Power Rangers are coming together. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, right, right, like right. Giant, oh, uh, the scene, the scene I'm thinking of was when um, they transitioned from the airport to the evil bomber, what bombs at midnight's apartment, and he was on the phone, was like, "What time does it leave again?" It leaves on time. Yes, yeah, and, and I love that 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 just the way it flowed into his apartment. Yeah, and that that is the shabbiest apartment in in all of history. I mean, there were I, I think there were tenement buildings in in the 1900s that didn't look as as shabby as that. Scenes scenes out of Godfather Two that had the yeah. modern yeah. looking apartment. It well, makes it should be like Madison Irish people living in that small apartment. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, oh. Oscar Matt, yeah, Oscar Madison would would feel a little bit out of place in that place. He'd be uh, cleaning it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I got this. He was very confident to be smoking a cigarette while working with dynamite. Yeah. I was I was very <laughs> impressed. That, well, or he was mentally ill. There was also that aspect. Of it. Well, okay. Yeah, well, I think you know the thing is, if he had blown himself up there, he could have. I'm sure the uh, the apartment had Movie. liability insurance on it. He could have. Uh, that would have been way cheaper, and, yeah. you know, only he would have gotten hurt. Yeah, I mean, poor old Maureen Stapleton would have heard this boom while she was cleaning up the uh, the shabby diner. And... So that was Mrs. Garrett? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that looks like a very young Mrs. Garrett. Oh, well, actually, that's Maureen, that's Maureen Stapleton. That's, uh, uh, she, she was in, um, uh, gosh, I can't think of anything that she's been. She, oh, I know what you know her from. She was, um... Uh, who's the diabetes guy? Wilford Brimley. She was Wilford, oh, Wilford Brimley's Brimley. wife in Cocoon. Oh, okay. That's, okay. That's okay. So, all right. From. Yeah. She, between her looking like, yeah. And then, um, oh, like Mary, you mentioned the, the woman who looked like Marion Ross, but wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. The woman in green. Yeah. Yeah. She, I only yeah. saw her after the explosion. You mentioned that she was kind of popped up, but I only like took her in after the, um, the, yeah. the explosion on the plane. And I saw her like covering under a under a blanket. Yeah. During, during the stale nuts scene in the ah. earlier minute, as, as, as you are, you're Jacqueline Bissett walking down the aisle, you'll notice that everybody's wearing brown except for this one woman who's in jade green. She's just kind of glowing in the middle of the screen and she gets out of the way. Well, you know, uh, while Jacqueline Bissett walks toward the back to find Helen Hayes. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. I've, I've wondered Mark, now Mark hadn't watched this entire movie until we started the podcast. So he was kind of taken back and having to watch the whole thing. But, uh, well, what was interesting is once you see it, uh, you really appreciate airplane even more. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, I, I just thought, Hey, what a what a funny, hysterical, clever movie! And then once you see it, it's like, oh, that's why they're doing that. It's really artfully done in the way both the parody and and this one. It was very stylized, and and they had a great way of, like I said, it almost it had a, like an undertone of humor to it the whole time. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, which, even the whimsical, like the Ada Quonset theme, they play that little thing with the, on the oboes and stuff, and mm-hmm. she's just mm-hmm. prancing along the, <laughs> putting the. Uh, uh, putting the dodges on uh, Peter Coakley, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, uh, who is great? He's he's my hero in this movie. He's the he's the Kenneth of uh, of airport. He just he just kind of kind of uh, accepts his lot in life as being the uh, the the, uh, the the dog to be kicked. He was he did a, he did a good very job of getting kicked and getting the wool pulled over his eyes. He, yeah, uh, he did that very well. Yeah, just uh, the uh, my my favorite scene with him and. Helen Hayes is as he's going to get help. He stands up to go, and she just kind of like she grabs his sleeve, <laughs> just yanks. Him like right. not yet, not yet. <laughs> the timing is not quite right. Uh, so I would take it you would recommend this film to other people who haven't seen the movie. Oh, um, it was it was great. It was very much an enjoy- like it was long, but it was an enjoyable movie. It, it, I I found myself completely like drawn into it. Yeah. You you find do you find yourself caring about the characters? I mean, it, it it's mostly a character study. It's not really much. Oh, of it event. really is, and, and a lot of the dynamics I really could relate to, like the 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 strife between Bakersfield and his wife. Who was was she British or just really posh and fancy? Because I couldn't tell half the time. Uh, I think she was from. Uh, she's originally from Austria. Bedford Hills. Yeah, no, she, yeah, she was. Uh, she was originally from Austria, but she she did a lot of uh, work in uh, in Hollywood. 
Um, gotcha. But yeah, but she yeah she was trying to do that that whole transatlantic accent and sounding uh, upper crust. And uh, and those endless scenes where they're explained the, the exposition thing about what the life she was picturing with uh, Bert, <laughs> where where they're going to the smoky, the, the, you know, the smoky lounge with old men and doddering old uh, waiters carrying trays of a, brandies. You wouldn't see that much these days. That was a very that, that was a very long drawn out scene of their argument. They they had a great dynamic, uh, even though it was like a f- dysfunctional dynamic. They had a good yeah. chemistry with that. But I also really enjoyed the chemistry between him and um uh Livingston. They had a really like nice yeah. mellow sexual tension that you could tell was a thing. Yeah, yeah, the way he r- rub his long thumbs on her arms and uh just kind of uh loosen her up in that in that fireplace room that we spent. When they had that conversation about her taking that job in, yeah. in San Francisco, by the time it was done, I'm like Five bucks says she does not go to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be making this guy scramble eggs someday. So, yep. Yeah. That's the thing. I've never bragged about my breakfast to anybody I have not wanted to make breakfast for. I'll tell you that right now. And, and how how is scrambled eggs something to like brag about? It's like you make a mean bowl <laughs> yeah. of Cheerios, lady. Um, I don't know. It's the it's a, it's the late 60s, early 70s. Scrambled eggs are, you know, they're an art form. Yeah, it's uh... – it, I mean, it. She, hopefully, she has a, a a little bigger apartment than uh, uh, Jacqueline Bissett's crash pad because that was, you know, that incredibly <laughs> tiny uh, kitchen full of liquor and stolen, you know, stolen plates and dishes from uh, from multiple airlines to, to, because they apparently can't afford to give away a wedding gift. So they just here here's some stuff I stole off the plane I was flying last week. It's um, a group effort. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like? Uh, 30 bottles of vodka or uh, <laughs> they're all different. What is, uh, what is Helen Hayes drinking in that scene? Is it, is it absinthe? It looks like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just wondering what she and the nun are chugging down. I think it's no. cognac and it says, Oh wait, uh, uh, holding it up. It's got four letters, whatever it is. It's blue and four letters. VSOP. It's VSOP. Oh, so, oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Good catch. Wow. So, uh, oh, that's and the the doctor had said earlier, or telling the stewardess to uh, pass out uh, as much brandy as he can, which apparently they brought enough for you know half the people on the plane. <laughs> Here again, we are in that transitional phase between the swinging '60s and the '70s, so I'm sure yeah. that the alcohol was a very important part of their uh, their flight plan. Oh yeah, the heavy heavy drink. Oh, they they didn't have room for overhead baggage because they needed to think about the heavy drinks cart that they were pushing through, just to just to balance everything. Um. They, they all, it, it's, and I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but in this minute, they all seem to have been magically healed. Everybody that had like a wound, it's kind There's of. There's no longer clutching their head, yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're not bleeding as much. Uh, two minutes have gone by, so. Well, it's because, well, because Jim, they dropped the pre- the plane down and they're no longer yeah. like cruising to high altitude. And so their bodies aren't being squeezed and their fluids aren't flying out. Yeah, that, that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's all, uh, it's, it's a, a better, better world at 6,000 feet, so. Exactly. Uh, I do. Uh, I do enjoy the Melmobile. We, we aren't going to have many more. Well, we we will have some more minutes coming up. The next uh, ten to fifteen minutes are going to feature the Melmobile in prime condition. There'll be a couple of good sized fishtails and. Mm-hmm. Um, Swing like, it out across the the uh, the tarmac, as you said, now to the plane. Yeah. yeah. He, and he thing, he drives back and forth to that stuck plane like half a dozen times or more, and it's always like, okay, we're driving. It's almost like a real-time adventure just because <laughs> yeah. of how many times it goes back and forth to that plane. And, uh, apparently, the runway is right there because he's only it, it only takes him about, a, you know, a, less than a minute to get there. I mean, I, I don't think they cut. You just see him here. I'm going to pull over here and then go back this way. They must be, like, almost at the terminal. I, I guess they... Practically, but, you know, fossil fuels were a magical thing back then. Plenty so it's not yeah, yeah. Very plentiful. Uh, and uh, and dear Jean Seberg in that uh, Edith Head designed uh, mini skirt winter coat. Oh, and her hair was amazing. Oh. And so even when she put on the uh, the hood and everything, she still looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She was like three cans of Aquanet. That was <laughs> at uh, least hot. stunning. And uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, uh, Bert's actually wearing a mink uh, winter coat. I don't, it looks like the same stuff that's wrapped around Helen Hayes and the Nun. <laughs> It's just this gorgeous. It's fur lined. Yeah, he's, yeah. Very, he's very toasty. Well, it's like now, is it my imagination or when the the dispatch tells Dean Martin that uh, the runway's still blocked, he gets visibly angry. Yeah, yeah, I think he's annoyed. I, I can't tell with Barry well, he Nelson. Knows because... it's Mel. Yeah, yeah. Damn it, Mel. <laughs> Your brother-in-law hates you. Just over and out. 
<laughs> yeah, he thinks he's pulling one over on him. He's like, he's doing this on purpose. Yeah, and they never have an interact. Well, I mean, he does call, tell him to get off his penguin butt, but yeah. they never have another interaction than after those first ten minutes in the movie. And it just, yeah, he was extremely antagonistic towards him at the yeah. beginning. There I was just call him as I see him. Oh yeah. man! They, they, every time they were like even a remote interaction, I was like, "Ooh!" How come they sense. didn't embrace at the end of the movie? Yeah. Well, you he think they waited yeah. for that? He, he had to go to the uh, he had to go to the uh, hospital with uh, his uh, baby mama. So, oh, and what a way to find out that your husband was having an affair by <laughs> overhearing the doctor and then. <laughs> oh, by the way, his mistress a... is pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> That's tune, a poor, poor woman. Tune in for. I would have watched Airport Seventy One. I would have had that on re- repeat. I just want to see what happens to all these people. It just. <laughs> it, it, now, is it is that a direct sequel or is it just another? No, the only the only person to survive this movie into the next movie is Joe Petroni. And, gotcha. Uh, he's Who doing... can survive anything? Yeah. He's as long as he's got a cigar in his mouth, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. He just he. I, I, we never did get a cigar count on this. I'm hoping one of our over enthusiastic fans will go through and and count up the number of cigars that uh, dear old Joe goes through. Uh, he doesn't. I don't think he's lit many. He doesn't. He doesn't often. No, he just likes to chew he, on. He, he likes them soggy. Yeah. 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 When he threw it over his shoulder at the end when he got the plane out, I was like, oh, that's someone's got to clean that up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> Uh, well, he's yeah. He just I can't think of a better a better character. And the only problem is is that in the future movies, and I hate spoiling seventy five, seventy seven, and seventy nine. But once he's saved the day, like here, he can't do any more in future movies. He can't be he can't be the hero. I mean, for one thing, he's not the he's not the lead. He's a supporting character, so he uh-huh. gets to be a hero here, but. In the other movies, he's just there as this is the airport uh, franchise, and so there's Joe Petroni, and especially in the next movie, in Airport 75, he just gets to slap uh, Charlton Heston on the back and tell him what a good job he's doing, or you got to be out of your mind. Um, but he doesn't get he doesn't get to be a hero. He, although he's just I, there, I, I, he's just there for continuity's sake. Yeah, I, I I do have to say he does play an important role in uh, the Concorde uh, Airport 79. He's he okay. actually flies the plane and. Yeah, one scene uh, rolls the window down and shoots at a fighter plane with a with a very pistol, a flare gun. So these, these movies sound like they take on the same arc of probability as the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no, they all just blend in. I mean, I think they were just getting him ready for the Naked Gun series. It's, it just kind of rolls right in, and uh, uh, it, it yeah, his. Uh, you'll never look at another George Kennedy movie the same way. Even when I'm watching uh, like cool hand Luke and stuff like that, I still see a bit of Petroni. Yeah. uh, Yeah. He's, he's got a, he's got a very distinct style about him, especially his acting choices. Yeah. And he's always George Kennedy. You don't, you're like, I know it's Petroni, but it's George Kennedy. He's like a Bruce Willis is never not Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Van Damme of, uh, of, of flight movies. Which speaking Um, of, I actually could see a lot of Die Hard two. Die Harder and, yeah. and just some of the way that this was, that it was shot and edited and and the cuts and things like that. I can see how they were. If this movie wasn't an influence of Die Harder, I would be really surprised. Yeah, it it definitely set the stage. People came to expect uh, disaster movies looked like this. You had a love boat cast of uh, second, you know, over the hill over the hill stars or people that you mm-hmm. kind of know from TV, but you weren't exactly sure where they, you know, I mean, that's why I had chief O'Brien was flying the plane on die hard. You're like, Oh, I know that guy. I know he, you don't think of him as yeah. the guy from the commitments. You think of him. Oh, no, that's the transporter chief from star, star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you see, yeah, exactly. You know, you, you, you say, you, you say to yourself, okay, I, I know that face and that face. And, uh, it, it and, you know, like you said, the, the, the die hard series, the fast and furious series, all of those collections of, uh, very famous and not so famous, but familiar people. I, I think that all started in here. I mean, you, it, it actually started way back in Grand Hotel, but it, it was revived with a with a frenzy in in airport. Now, even a lot of the music in I Die Harder kind of reminded me of this music as well because of the the use of strings and everything. Even though a lot of the score to this sounded like Aaron Copeland decided to write he write a disaster theme because yeah. it had a lot of like jaunty horns and things, and I get the uh, 
I just got a weird like turn of the century vibe from it. Yeah, well, the the guy that uh, was the composer, he passed away unfortunately before the Oscars. Uh, he actually never got to see this movie, the, the final composition. But uh, Alfred Newman was the composer, and he's probably most famously known for being the uh, composer of the 20th Century Fox fanfare. So this is basically okay. 20th Century Fox fanfare stretched out for 137 minutes. It, it's very. <laughs> I, could, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, the I I always like the little accent with the uh, the tambourines that she, you know at the the bottom of every uh, bar. I just kind of they make a little shing with the he does two uh, he he'll hit a timpani and then there's two cymbals and then uh, a couple of shakes of a tambourine. So it just it feels now and modern and happening, but it's also way back in like a it, it's a lot like High and the Mighty if you ever watched the John Wayne movie. It it has all those giant French horns and all the brass sound of danger. It's a signature move. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine what a David Lynch's airport would be like? Oh, my God. <laughs> there would be a lot of eye trauma. Yeah. Or a lot more eye trauma, sorry. I would, I would want to see, I, I would want to see Dean Martin on screen while he's thinking about his brother-in-law <laughs> and hearing his inner, inner monologue going on. <laughs> and those, and those would have been poppers people were doing instead of smelling salts. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> They would have way more fun with the oxygen tanks. Yeah, yeah. Instead of uh, and the third, the second officer would have been uh, Sting. It would have been just fantastic. <laughs> Coming out in a metal bikini. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna give you such a slap too. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I always like that section um, that comes along in one of these disaster movies where you see like the Rube Goldberg of plot devices start to fall into place. Like, oh, we need to get this person off, blah, blah, blah. Like when the when they were trying to find Ida and they were causing them, but before they could find her, they had to get off the ground so they could do this. And it was always like a, a domino succession of little plot points that pushed it into leaving the ground before they needed to. Yeah, yeah. And and it's like uh, Maureen Stapleton almost got there just in time to stop, you know, to find out where Diego uh-huh. Guerrero was. And she didn't quite make, you know, she just, it was just on the wrong side of the airport. And... Like- uh, and, and she never would have known about it except for the part with the where they had with the letter. Yeah, $3, yeah, the seven dollars yeah, difference in yeah. his plane ticket. It's like here you go, and they had to send it special delivery, so it got there the same day. I mean, it cost almost the same to you know to ship it in. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just a, just so <laughs> so many. And I love that the, the mailman actually puts a little door hanger on her uh, on <laughs> on their door. I mean, you're lu- today you're lucky if you even get a special <laughs> delivery letter. Just imagine how much more life insurance he could have bought with that extra seven dollars, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Bunny would have won the contest hands down. Exactly. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> ding ding! You're, you're a millionaire club. Uh, yeah, poor Bunny. And the last time we see Bunny, she you you see that that moment when she's slowly realizing, well, I guess I'm not going to win the contest. She's, and, she's like, well, this still counts, right? <laughs> I'm saving up for a coffee maker. I think I'm getting. I that. did sell this, so yeah. even though it was to a mad bomber, I, I still sold it, right? Yeah, there was nothing in my contract that said anything about the relative mental well-being of the insurance uh, holder. Uh, the, uh, do you think uh, these are random thoughts as, as as you watch the movie? And I know it hasn't quite gelled yet, but how often do you think uh, Mel has lunch with uh, Tanya and? Uh, uh, Harry, the the customs guy. Do you think they do that every shift? Um, maybe not every shift, but they definitely do it a lot. And I'm sure that uh, there's real sad times when Harry's busy and they have to have lunch by themselves. Yeah, darn. We can have it up oh, in the fireplace no. room. Lock the door. Exactly. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah. this room's empty. That was a big room just to be n- no one in it. Yeah, and, and you know, Coakley's right outside the door. Um, <laughs> this is Livingston. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Yes, more more cut, more stowaways, more. Uh. And they had four stowaways that month. Isn't, isn't there about time that they project a more positive, you know, a, a more. Well, at least there were no hijackings. Look at it that way. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of odd because that was like the height of the yeah uh, exactly. taking the plane to Cuba thing. Um, and I don't know if people actually worried about this kind of stuff until they saw airport. I don't know how much it affected. I know it did affect uh, selling flight insurance that 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 dropped off rapidly uh, at airports. Uh, right after Plus, yeah, if you're sitting next to a chain smoking, sweating businessman clutching a briefcase, you, you yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> Can I have another seat, not, Miss? Not to profile, but yeah, you might yeah. want to keep an eye on that guy. Right. Wow. Well, yeah, just a 
it it's sad. And I just keep wondering, with so many people walking around with briefcases, how many of them were mad bombers that night? You know, it, it, they're like, oh, he took my idea. Yeah. <laughs> now, not to quibble too much on the plot, but the hole that he did eventually blow into the plane. There was, I feel like it would have been a lot bigger given that he had three or four sticks of dynamite taped together. That, that yeah. was a very small hole, even, even encapsulated in the bathroom, which, you know, thank God for the occupied sign. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that door being there saved, uh, I guess, uh, Jacqueline Bissett's other eyeball. But I, I, I guess so. I think what, she'd look really good with an eye patch either way. She's a very attractive woman. So yeah. eye patch, oh, eye she, patch. Yeah. She'd, <laughs> she'd be reminded, reminiscent of a, um, uh, Venture Brothers uh, nemesis. So I'm completely okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. I, I mean, I really wish they had come up with a sequel that just didn't do a, a passing nod to Joe Petroni. But I guess all these people wanted money. That you know, everybody in this movie that they'd want back, like Burt Lancaster or uh, Jacqueline Bissett or Dean Martin. I, I think they'd be all out of everybody's reach uh, by you know, let's say they did it two years later. Um, it. And and they wouldn't it wouldn't have been about another disaster. Well, Lancaster didn't even like the movie. They would have had to pay him a ton. Yeah, I could tell. I, I, you know, sometimes you get an idea. Not having seen this before, I could get a feeling that what I've seen him in before, he wasn't as engaged as he could have been as as far as like performances go. Yeah. Uh, have you? Ever I'm seen- not saying he was like Harrison Ford, Return of the Jedi bad, but yeah. <laughs> He was definitely seen to there was a couple times he was phoning it in and sometimes yeah. he was literally phoning it in. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just put him on half the screen and everything was fine. The uh, have you ever seen the the swimmer, the movie that he made the year before this? I've uh, not, no. Uh, uh, we, oh, it's great. It's a gem. We run under a, a theory that the movie if, if you do get a chance watch the swimmer because we talk about this way too much on the show but uh Burt Lancaster it's based on a John Updike. It was a John Updike. Yeah, I think that was uh, Cheever. Cheever, was sorry, Cheever? John John Cheever. Yeah, John Cheever movie or John Cheever uh, short story uh, about a guy who he lives in Connecticut and there we've never told the story about what the swimmer is on. So here for those of you who haven't seen the movie, uh, in the movie the swimmer, Burt Lancaster plays a uh, seemingly uh, very successful guy who worked for some kind of an agency in Manhattan and he lived in Connecticut and he was at a party. Uh, at a pool party with uh, at one of his neighbor's houses, and he he came over for a swim and he had a swimsuit on, and he realized that if he if he did it just right, he could swim through a swim a series of neighborhood swimming pools and swim home. <laughs> so you know there were like there were like fifteen swimming pools between where he was at and where his home was. And Underground he, swimming. Yeah, well, yeah, like yeah, like in ground, in ground, in ground, in ground. They were all in-ground. linked by a series of. Well, like he well, could, like he'd swim across a pool, and then he'd like walk down to the next house and get in their pool uh, and swim across. And gotcha. as you go through the film, I don't want to spoil it too much, but as you go through the film, you find out the the life that more he, and more about him. Yeah, you learn more about him, and he's not as nice a guy, and he's not as successful a guy, and just his life is not what it seems to be. And by the time he gets to his home, uh, you realize that he's he's absolutely not the person that you thought he was at the beginning of the movie, and it's just. You watch the movie, and it's just very unusual storytelling, and it's very—it's not how you expect a movie from that era to be. Gotcha. And uh, our, and when we watch Airport, if you watch it, if if you ever see The Swimmer, and I do recommend everybody listening get a copy of The Swimmer. It's available. Actually, if you go to any of our episodes, we've got it on available on the Amazon site. You can download it digitally and watch it right now. Okay. Um, but the. Uh, uh, if you think of the swimmer as the sequel to Airport and Burt Lancaster's <laughs> character as Mel Bakersfeld, it all makes. I mean, this post-divorce thing and all that. It, it, it's just it all starts making sense. Um, but that that might be the biggest nugget that we that came out of this uh, of our podcast here is we're in the last half hour of, of shows uh, that he may actually be doing a that that might be the, the the true sequel to Airport, even though it was made the year before. I feel like him and his marriage wouldn't have been nearly as rocky if they had had, you know, one bed instead of the separate bed, yeah, personally. But, but that, that nice sky blew everything. Well, they each wanted their space. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely got it. Yeah. Although, was he sleeping on her bed when he was smoking in those sky blue pajamas? I just, that was, that's my favorite scene. I'm I was sorry. Just, I was just wondering if that was, you know, Manifest Destiny. It was just, he was doing a little bit of eminent domain on her, her space. You know, there's a turf war going on. Uh, 
and yeah, the, very, everything was sky blue from his pajamas to I think the ceiling was sky blue. All that flocking and stuff. Man, I, design I, choices in the seventies. Yeah, sixties. Yeah, it's probably probably the 60s. the uh, the other part of it is, is that I don't I don't really blame her. I mean, she's kind of put up as the bad guy in in that thing when they're talking. You know, she's had she's had an affair with somebody else and he was surprised by it and he was, you know, Oh gee, how could you do this to me? And she's just, she did a really good job of making it seem like her infidelity was his fault, which I mean, I mean, I'm sure she was pushed to it, but at the end of the day, we all make our own choices. So I was yeah. like, I don't know, Cindy, I'm it's a little shady right there. Maybe just own up your own choices and just live with it. Yeah. And he, I think she tried, I mean, what she sounded like, you know, if you take it, if you look at it from her side, she was trying to get him to quit his miserable job where he was away from his family all the time. He wanted, you know, he wanted to go play airplane. Um, yeah. But she was like, "Why don't you go work for my dad? You can make more money. You don't have to work. You don't have to work as hard. You, you know, my dad will not berate you like like Commissioner uh, Ackerman did, and you can have a good life." But he's looking at like, "Well, no, you want me to fit into your mold." And it's like, "No, I just want my husband back. I keep." Well, also, you got to keep in mind that the reason he was there all the time as well was because he had a thing for Livingston. And, yeah, yeah. You know, his, I mean, his, his, his mind was already wandering. He's, uh, yeah, he's more of a dirtbag than, than the storyline would let on. And, and where does that put Tanya? Tanya knows she's ma- he's married. Yeah, so. they, 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 they touched on a lot of interesting themes in this between the, the hinting at possible infidelity but i'm not tempting you with this i'm just saying that if you wanted to i'm not you know there was that aspect there was all the abortion talk there was all sorts of different things in there that were i thought very progressive for this type of movie they they and and it's rated g at the the time this was a g-rated movie so it's like wow really we're gonna go to stockholm in a g-rated movie okay um yeah it, it it was like really... they never said the word, but they definitely spent a good ten minutes discussing the possibility of terminating a pregnancy before you know it's adoption's yeah. an option, but the other one is. Yeah, and and he was like, you know, it's your it's your choice. I'll you know I'll go with whatever you want to do. And she's like, well, I want to keep the baby. And he was like, oh, um, uh, that's <laughs> also a choice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He, uh... He, it, it it doesn't really. I don't know where that would end up. I mean, she's going she's going back to the hospital, and she's going to get her eyeballs worked on, and hopefully she oh. won't have to you know wear a patch. But now that uh, Barbara Hale, you know, his, his wife knows kind of what's going on with the with you know there's a pregnant somebody or other, and oh here comes my husband, and, he, and oh it's him, oh it's her, you know. So uh, where does that leave? The, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves here in a couple of minutes, but where when when this movie ends none of it really seems to be a great resolution i mean yeah burt burt lancaster is gonna eat uh tanya livingston's uh scrambled eggs uh for no pun intended or any window i guess yeah i'll show you scrambled yeah um (laughs) i'll scramble your eggs yeah (laughs) so you know and it's like yeah i'll do that and then oh by the way it's probably the weekend so i better go back home and see my daughter's you know, women in my own house that I, I don't want them to live like this. But, you know, it's it is a very uns, like it. Yeah. Nothing's um, all buttoned up. There's no, no like nice neat bow and everyone's smiling and happy in a sunset. There's a lot of open ended questions and things at the end of it, which I, I don't mind in a movie. It gives you a chance to, you know, flesh it out how you so choose. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think for uh, Ada, for example, do you feel that uh, Ada is going to take first-class trips everywhere, or do you think Dino was just kind of, like, making stuff up? I don't know if he had the authority from TGA to uh... – oh, I guess he could he could float it by uh, Burt Weatherby. Well, not to spoil, but she does show up at the end with her ticket saying first-class, of course, and yeah. he said it's not nearly as fun this way. I feel, sadly, that she's going to lose her spark because she doesn't have that keeping her going, and she's just sort of going to drift into – Senility or something of that nature. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what she, how she's going to explain it to her quote-unquote daughter when she gets to New York about... Uh, she's got to find one first, and then she can explain it to her. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I just keep wondering if her daughter ever put the pieces together that, you know, mom's, <laughs> mom is you know, skating across the country uh, on somebody else's nickel. But it, have, have they ever mentioned to her, you know, you really shouldn't do that? Or maybe she's got a whole family of, uh, of grifters. <laughs> Possibly. She had a great mindset of why is this a bad thing? And just her mentality yeah. the whole time was great. It's yeah. like, no, oh, I can go in the 
the uh, the diners club or the captain's yeah, club, or whatever yeah, the, the commander's club. club. Yeah, yeah so it's like I have a card. It's like you're not supposed to have a card. <laughs> Why is this so hard to understand? Uh, yeah, she's she's into victimless crimes. I think that's where she, she's okay with uh, if you're if you're hurting the corporation, it's not that big a deal. Um, they can afford it, right? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and Whip Bissell doesn't get anything out of this whole thing. I mean, he just kind of he gets a he, he got a hot lunch and uh, whatever his day rate was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, pulling the old Ford LTD out of uh, out on Lancashire at uh, Universal Studios. Right, right, Time right. to go home. Got to get the laundry done. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's work. I mean, he had just he had just been let go from Time Tunnel the year before, so he didn't have any you know any prospects back on TV. Uh, or actually, I know. I'm sorry. Excuse me. He had just finished uh, Trouble with Tribbles, the uh, Star Trek episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had just come off of that and made Airport, and uh, he, he's faring a lot better than Pat Priest, who was sitting behind uh, Helen Hayes during this movie. She was a uh, Marilyn Munster from the Munsters, and she, she that was the end of her career. Just she was in Airport, and that's about it. So uh, that's such is the life of a Universal contract player. Once your contract's up. Yeah. Whoosh. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the, the the Universal players were around for about another, maybe not not quite a decade, but about six or seven years after this, they let it all go, and and all these people had to kind of fend for themselves in indie productions, and probably had to you know go to Toronto or Vancouver or something to find find work at the Hallmark Channel, or no, they had to wait for the Hallmark Channel to be built. So, <laughs> They're just sitting out there in Toronto waiting. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, any in a year, we're good. We're yeah. just have some poutine and wait. Yeah. Do you need? A, is there any uh, like uh, French uh, uh, Lake Ferry uh, disaster movies? I could be a passenger. I'm good. <laughs> it's, it's cold up here, eh? <laughs> oh, we have a we have a moose pile up on uh, on the freeway. <laughs> I'll be in that movie. Moose Fest night. Yeah. Uh, Mooseport. Wait, that was a movie. Yeah, it was. Oh well. Uh, uh, yeah, this is definitely. I would recommend watching uh, Airport airport again if you get a chance the second watching it's you'll start you'll start seeing the people that you love earlier in the movie and you start reckon you know you just follow them along it's uh i don't mark and i are both very old people and uh there used to be a speak for yourself Jim. well yeah well back when i used to babysit mark uh there was there was a drinking game that they used to play on love boat nights and uh you could uh basically you're watching you're watching an episode of, of the Love Boat, and at the opening they show you the, they show you the, who the guest stars are, and everybody picks a guest star, and every time your guest star gets kissed, you have to uh, drink a shot, and so. <laughs> I never you, played that game. Oh uh, well, uh, if you ever get Aaron Moran, that was Jack. Jim, Fox. wait, you you don't drink. <laughs> no, but I know these I know these games. I do. I, okay. This this movie has so many qualities of Love Boat. You know, when your character is on, if you see them, and if they if they're in a split screen, then you drink. That's uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man. When we played that game, when they were eating the sandwiches with the crust cut off, oh my I mean, god, I got sloshed. I mean, <laughs> so many sandwiches. Oh, you do. You can do it with coffee in this movie too. Yeah, anytime somebody they offers, just drink gallons of it. Yeah, anytime Sandwich somebody is top? offered offered food or drink, that's that's when you drink. You could yeah get smashed. Uh, Anytime, uh, anytime someone's putting over, putting it over on somebody else, that's when. Uh, anytime somebody tells a lie, that's another one. There's so many lies uh-huh. going on. Yeah, you're gonna make up all these rules. Or you're just gonna get hammered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's only 137 minutes. You gotta you gotta drink fast. Optimize your time. Yeah. So we do get a in this particular minute that we're watching 113. We do get a a, a quick view of of our hero John Denon who. Uh, He's the uh, air traffic guy that's sitting sitting over the clock to tell you what time it is. It's one thirty one at the at the time. Um, John Denon was the technical advisor. He was an actual air traffic control manager um, from O'Hare. I'm sorry, no, not from O'Hare, from from Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. So uh, he's kind of you know he's in his scene, and then the rest of the movie he's kind of going around. It's like no, that's not what you'd say. You'd say it this way. You're saying descending to six thousand feet. So. He's, uh, Did they get real air traffic controllers in there? Because those, if those are some of the most sedate individuals I've ever seen on screen, it was it was they were they were just so monotone. From from what we could tell about, it's about half and half. Half of them are actual ATC guys. I think they were trying to make a deal with the FAA so they could you know can we can we shoot on your property and then they say yeah put one of our guys in. So 
one of them is probably like the you know vice uh, the the deputy uh, deputy the director of yeah well the, or the deputy director of uh, the air traffic control uh, FAA you know section of the FAA and I, I think there's one of them there's one of them that's an actor when we watch the the Chicago Center when there's two guys and there's the guy the one guy is pointing and the other guy's talking i think the, the one guy that's pointing doesn't have a sag card so he can't talk so he just kind of like <laughs> points at things like well thanks thanks for your cameo now there was a lot of reference so overall i got the idea that while this was a disaster movie set in an airport and it was all about an airplane this was sort of a love story to the aviation for this is a love story to the the oh, yeah. plural of flying in the 70s because yeah yeah the airline business and, and oh yeah a writing a letter to letter to Boeing saying, oh, this is, you know, this yeah. is a, you know, how sturdy these planes are, how well built they are. Yeah. Well, I guess if they're going to borrow a 707 and, they, you know, they actually do a real 707. I mean, coming up in about in about 15 minutes, there is a there's a rather dramatic uh, stunt with a real live 707 doing a doing a skid. And uh-huh. you know, it's, it's not a model. It's a real. So. Uh, you know, they, I think they had a lot of cooperation from the Boeing Corporation to show how tough their little 707s are. Um, Did you ever see the final countdown with Martin Sheen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That a time travel movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it was also an absolute, it, it was basically a propaganda uh, piece for the it, Navy. It was because Navy fest, yeah. Third yeah. of that movie showing you how awesome aircraft carriers yeah, were. Yeah. Look, look, we could shoot down these 1940s Japanese aircraft with our uh, Hornets and uh, F, or Tomcats at the time. But um, just all the cutscenes of like the op- the aircraft, you know, coming up on the elevator and the bombs being loaded and all yeah. the like the the inter- interstitials of, of of the aircraft carrier at work. They're like, man, someone is really wanting to make people know the Navy is awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think that was de- definitely had to be hand in hand. It's like, look, look at if we only had a the Nimitz back at Pearl Harbor, exactly. we would have won the first day. And I, <laughs> it's it is a great and they got Kirk Douglas to be in that movie and just you know, wow. Yep. Yeah, that was a that was a fun movie. That that would be a very interesting uh, podcast in its own right. That I, was I would tune in that and uh, very to, interesting movie. to a lesser extent. The uh, you ever see a uh, Michael Parry and uh, Nancy Allen and the Philadelphia Experiment? Oh yeah, yes. yeah, with a, with a yeah. nuclear explosion, the time travel. Yeah, and, that that's uh, a good. That, that, there are so many minute podcasts that uh, I understand why your why your plate is getting stacked up because all you have to do is just start thinking about great movies. You want to do them all. They just yeah. want to do yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, someday I want to do it's a mad, 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 mad minute and have yeah, it's a mad, 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 mad world. There's like 310 minutes in the movie. You could, you, oh my god. You just like be crawling through it, but it's such a great film. And there's You're competing like, with Lord of the Rings minute for banking airtime. Yeah, exactly. You know, you'd have to like you'd have to record two years in advance just so that you can keep up in case. <laughs> exactly. It's like we're gonna bank six to eight months ahead and then we're gonna <laughs> how, how long is how long is Dune for the for the Dune? Dune is hundred and thirty seven minutes long. The same as airport. Wow. I thought I nah. really having seen that movie, I would have thought it was like like three hours, but uh it, and Gremlins a, is 117, I believe. I need to double check that, but it's for for it to be like a fun romp. It's really it's really got some weight to it as far as shows go. Yeah, we're having uh, later on next year. We're gonna or in t- mid 2017 for people listening to this in the past. Uh, the Die Hard minute is gonna come out in June, and that's only like 98 minutes. It's real, mm-hmm. it's real fast. Yeah. So uh, there's not that. Or no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. It's, it, no, that is right. It's not, it's it's in the 90s. But yeah, some some of them go by really quick. Um, I just Mark was just on uh, on the Caddyshack minute with uh, Tom Taylor at all. Uh, he's he's uh, I'm all caught up on that. I've, I guess I heard your uh, your your guest spot on that, or maybe no no they haven't released that one yet then because it came out today. Yeah. It's, it's, oh it's okay out. then I'll I mean I'm not caught up on that one, but that's okay, one of my yeah. regulars. Oh well yeah, <laughs> Mark did a good good job in there, but I know they're they're getting about an hour and an hour and fifteen minutes I think out of every out of every minute. So, and they're only like on minute 31 now. So they're going to be going for that for years. Um, although it's not, it's not every day, right? It's every, other no, day? it's like every, or every three it's days. like every couple of days or maybe once a week. It's, it's very lax recording schedule as far as that goes. Yeah. I, I listen to it when it comes up on my podcast, but I don't know what days they are that they, they show up. So it's whatever, whatever winds up at the top of my float just goes through and I'll, I'll hear it. <laughs> um, well, this has been a, a rather extensive minute, but thank you so much for taking the time to watch the entire film after having never seen it. And it's, uh, it was great. It was a it was a fun experience. It's it's great hearing that people can 
yeah, like it, we get so involved in this thing, it's, it's hard to tell whether anybody's enjoying the movie anymore. But it's good knowing that, that you know, fresh eyes can lo- look at the thing and say, "Yeah, this is actually an okay movie." So, um, well, we'll have to have you back to. Please don't watch uh, Airport Seventy Five. Uh, <laughs> I will not. I will. Le- I, I will leave it completely blank as far as my uh, awareness goes. Wow. Well, uh, we look forward to uh, uh, to your to uh, salutes to Gremlins and to Dune. Um, I guess somewhere in the mid to early 2017, they'll be somewhere onli- online. I'll, I'll, we just want to do them justice, and yeah, they're both they'll both be up and running regularly, probably within the next uh, cross my fingers two months. Okay. Just as long as we get banked and recorded and stuff like that, then we'll yeah. be, uh, we'll start dropping them. One, one thing Mark and I have learned is as many as you can get done, just so that you're far ahead and you can take yeah. a break. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, wow. Well, we're we're just coming up here on the last three weeks. Uh, if uh, folks would like to uh, catch up on our previous podcast, please join us at our big website at airportminute.com. Uh, you can uh, download all the old minutes. You can get T-shirts that say these nuts are stale. And uh, remind me to thank Mr. Boeing. There's all kind of stuff out there like that. Cool swag. Uh, check with us on Twitter at Airport Minute. Check with us at. Uh, uh, what are they? Oh, Facebook, yeah, uh, Airport Minute, and also the Airport Minute Commanders Club, which you can find on Facebook. Uh, iTunes, you can subscribe. Uh, thank you for subscribing there. Just search for Airport Minute and click the subscribe button. You'll get it every day, Monday through Friday, for the last three weeks of uh, of this month. So also uh, this week, by the way, it being just the beginning of the new year, uh, if you're in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show, be sure to tweet us and let us know where you're at. Uh, Mark and I are going to be around Vegas, so it'll uh, be interesting to uh, Bump into folks listening to the to the podcast, uh, but catch up with us uh, either either online on Twitter or uh, yeah, try you know. to find us. Yeah, <laughs> take, <laughs> Good take us luck. out to dinner. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Bring your expense account. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a Ruth Chris somewhere nearby. Don't worry, uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's covered. It'll be okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, have a great week, everybody. Uh, uh, join us here tomorrow as we're going to talk some more with people who have never seen the movie or may have seen the movie but uh, haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, we're going to finish up the week tomorrow, uh, Thursday and Friday, uh, and discuss more uh, ignorance about the airport, <laughs> about the movie Airport with the Airport Minute. Thanks, thanks again, George. And uh, Thanks for having me. We'll see you all later here on the Airport Minute. Uh, until next time, good day. Bye-bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.